Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show, Inspiring End of Life Conversations. I hope everybody had a good Christmas in spite of everything that is going on. So glad to have you here. I've got a delightful couple here today, Michael and Linda Quinn. They have been hospice volunteers for over 20 years. Their work is a part of their sacred journey to awaken us to the reality that we are all beautiful, blessed souls, loved beyond measure by our creator, and that life is full of opportunities to share this profound love with others. The essential message of their work is that at some point in your life, you will be present with a loved one who is actively dying. The way in which you witness and assist your loved one can be the most sacred and exquisite experience of your life. Michael had in his book this quote, well, it's actually his quote, it's a verse from the Bible, the day of our death is more important than the day of our birth, Ecclesiastes, and that's chapter 7, verse 1. And it, it spoke to me. So I'm welcoming both of you to the show right now. Thank you so much for being here. Your life in hospice work has been so amazing. And if you could just start a little bit, tell the audience how you guys started this incredible journey. Well, it's a thank you also, yes. Nina, for, yes. for being in a position that you're in to help expedite the kind of work we do and the work that many others do. I recently read your book, The Dearly Departed, and and it was interesting in how we use similar words. You said, for example, that you love your hospice work because you get to stand on sacred ground and you can feel your wings. That's how we feel. Okay, it's 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 beyond words. You can't really put it into words, but it is an energy that's that 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 is so powerful and so filled with unconditional love that that you just have to, sh- to share it with others. Not only is it your hospice work, but to let others know about how blessed this work is. And we always encourage others, if you have any spark at all about possibly becoming hospice volunteers, follow that spark because it's, it's, it's just very, very beautiful work. It's profound. You know, and I think we're, we're going to get a lot talking into energy today. And there's something in your book that I think everybody kind of needs to hear. It's in the very beginning of your book, and I'm going to read it. It is on page 14 in The Journey Home. And you put in here, it's kind of in your introduction, Michael and, and, and Linda. It's so beautiful. And I want you to kind of explain this to people because one of the things about death that I think is really important is the energy in the room. We're all caught up in our heads with the patient dying and all of that attachment and they're leaving and the sadness, but the energy in the room, the energy of your book, the energy of your words, whether we're with people or not. And you have here, Linda and I believe deeply that we are intimately connected at a subtle yet profound level. You may think you are reading our words in the privacy of your room, but actually Your thoughts about what we're writing are shared with us and everyone else on earth instantaneously. Our thoughts that generate these words you are reading contain an energy that never dissipates. We are touching you as you read these words. We cannot escape each other, nor do we want to. 
and this in this time right now connection is 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 lost but when people can realize the energy a lot of our loved ones are away from us and we can't be with them so if you could just explain a little bit about what that means that energy never goes away it doesn't dissipate it's with us well, I think, Linda, I think Linda wrote it. I'll have her explain it. <laughs> no, let, I'll take a quick stab at it. Quick stab. Yeah, just kind and of I, let people know. Because remember, we're people that have not helped people die are in it right now. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me say two things. Number one, it, it, when you asked that question, what occurred to me was the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. I love Wayne Dyer. Okay, he wrote over 40 books. Me too. And at one point, someone said to him, talked about, about getting one of his books, but not reading it yet. And his response was, you don't have to. The, end, the book itself carries an energy with it. And you're just carrying that book around with you. I forget his exact words, but there was this, this spontaneous assimilation of the energy in that book. And and so there's there's some truth to that in that in that that we particularly now we all feel so isolated from each other. Yes. And and we feel sometimes like we're living on a on an island or an oasis somewhere and not being able to connect with others. The beauty of the hospice work that we have that we have discovered is that is that no man is an island. That we are all intimately connected and. This is particularly true now with loved ones not being able to be with loved ones who are dying, whether it's in a hospital or a nursing home, yeah. and they feel so ostracized and, and not connected, which creates great stress. Yes. We talk about in the book very specifically about this issue. And we we wrote about this obviously before the before the virus ever became an issue. And that has to do where we're speaking to people who can't be at the bedside of a loved one who is actively dying. Mm. By the way, actively dying is typically defined as someone who's expected to die within 48 hours. Correct. You can't be at the bedside of that person and they, they, they feel terrible. And our response is there's absolutely no reason to feel that way or to feel any guilt. Often people will carry that guilt their, the rest of their life as not being there when dad died or grandma or whatever. And our point is that in a sense, it doesn't matter if you're kneeling at the bedside of your loved one or whether you're on the other side of the earth, that just sitting in silence and having the intention of being with that person opens a doorway in consciousness that literally allows you to be there and they will feel you there. And at, in within the context of that environment, you have the conversation with your loved one, expressing your love for them, understanding the situation that they're in, understanding that they are about to go and expressing your love and saying everything that you want to say to them as if you were right there next to them. And we ask people to trust the reality, trust the fact that you are indeed right next to them. And, you, and that's so important with, with even if they're not actively dying, you have a loved one in the hospital that, 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 that you can't see or a nursing home. Create those sign-up moments in your day when you communicate with them, particularly if you don't have the ability to talk on a cell phone. Have this conversation with them. It will, they will feel it at a profound level. 
I love in your, those beautiful explanation, Michael. Thank you. You know, in your book, you and Linda put things like, I promise you that this is the truth. I promise you. I love the way you guys are, when you, the way you've written your book, you are so sure of yourself. And when I read it too, I thought to myself, wow, you're working, you're coming from experience. And in this time, just like you say, when you, I can't imagine if my husband or my child or somebody got sick and I couldn't, and maybe they were at death's door and I couldn't go to the hospital. So this is a really important conversation is to know, yes, they will feel it. You know, I wasn't with my own mom when she died, but boy, she came to me right before. She yeah. came to I, me. Can, I, can tell, I can tell you a quick story if I can about me. Love my stories, Michael. Yes, go and ahead. And I was with both of my parents when they died, which was okay. a blessing beyond blessing. But with my father, he, my father worked right up until the time that he died at age 88, full time. <laughs> Okay, and so he had a massive stroke, was in the hospital, and I have, I have uh, eight brothers and sisters, and we all took turns staying in the room at night with him, and when my turn came, in fact, Linda said to me, whenever your turn comes to be with your father, that's the night he's going to die. Wow. Linda has that ability to know those things, but anyhow, it's about four in the morning, and I'm in his room, and I'm in a, I have a cot, and my father was always a snorer. And I heard his snoring get less and less and less. So I knew he was about to go. And so I got up off of the, 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 my cot and I nudged him over on his bed and sat next to him and uh, just took my hand and rubbed his, his hair away from his forehead and, and, and said, you know, Dad, I know you're about to go. I know Mom is in the room here waiting for you. I know the angels are here waiting for you. You've had the other the, the conversation that I have with with hospice folks is you've just you've raised nine children my God and and so it's now it's time to to to, to have your reward go home he, he took his last breath and he died yeah. and so it's it's four in the morning and it's very quiet and I always encourage people when a when you're with a loved one who dies don't be in a hurry to <clears throat> to go out and tell the nurse or get a doctor to pronounce them just. Stay in that silence as long as you can. It's really important, both for yourself as well as for your loved one who's leaving. I'm going to back you up here a minute because this is an important. This is an important thing. So, let's say I'm, you know, with but my dad. Finish my story. Okay? All right, go ahead. There's a punchline here, my dear. Okay. 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 <laughs> that is, and so I'm there, and all of a sudden, my father's body starts to ever so slightly levitate <gasps> off the bed. Okay. And it goes back down again. Then it levitates a little more and goes back down again. And I'm thinking, my God, the first mystical experience I've ever had. Linda has three mystical experiences before breakfast every morning. I have none. Okay. And I can't wait to, 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 to be able to tell her of this wonderful experience I'm having. And so I'm there and enjoying the experience. And as, as you know, I'm hard of hearing. But yet I'm tuning into to a sound in the room that I hadn't heard before. And I start tuning into it. And here it's in the, the sounds coming from the baffles in the air mattress, which is lifting my father up <laughs> off the bed, then back down again, and then back up. And I started to laugh. And I said, there goes my first mystical experience. Yeah. My father is still in the room. The He's angels have a sense of humor. Because he was the king of practical jokers. And he's yeah. loving this. So. That that's my own only mystical experience. I just I love I to that, that story. That's a really great story. 
It really is. But it also goes it to, to the fact that, you know, we often look at death as such a somber thing, but death can be one of the most uplifting, even humorous and, and, and wonderful experiences besides being sacred. Because we're, you know, we think about, we think about a child being born on the day that child is born. You mentioned ecclesiastics and, and that's all very important. The mother's giving birth and hopefully the father's there and the nurses and it's a celebration, there's new life coming in. Right. And, but yet this, the same thing is true at the moment of death. We think even if we're with a loved one by ourselves or a loved one is alone by themselves, we think, we think, Oh, that we, we think that's sad because no one's there. Let me assure you, there's standing room only in that room. The, Agreed. The loved ones, the deceased loved ones and angels, they are everywhere. And various books have been written by people who can see that. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. No one ever dies alone. <coughs> that's, that's true. Uh, Nina, I think you were going to ask something. It's okay. I, I kind of moved on to something else, but that's okay. <laughs> the energy. Well, I think it's really important um, to know exactly what. So I'm going to kind of digress here a little bit. The story that you told about your dad, you know, when you brought humor into that and the love in the room probably was palpable as well. And I just feel that if we can bring an awareness to people, that when people go into the room of a dying person, that you do kind of what I call a inventory, a spiritual inventory with my heart. So when I walk in the room, I feel it first. And then you don't bring all the heavy and worry in there. Like, oh, so for me, this is what goes through my brain is I walk into the room of a dying person. I'm like, okay, what's going on here in the room? How does it feel? What's the climate in here? Are people fearful? Are they tired? Are they afraid? And then I move in like that. What you guys do is, you know, and what I, I want people to learn is how to bring light into the room. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. We're going to miss them. But the way the two of you explain death in your book and the way, you know, in your, in your world of hospice that you work in, that's kind of like, I feel like our hearts are doing all the work, if this makes sense. And that if we can teach people, Hannah, not to go in heavy and to go in more light, that the experience is completely different. But that's kind of not an easy thing to do if there's a lot of familiar baggage and things like that. You know, we both have seen it. But as a hospice worker, when you come into the room, I mean, when you guys walk into the room, you set what you do almost like kind of an inventory to see how you can help people best to bring them out of fear if they're there. I think we ought to be interviewing you and said the other way around. You're saying exactly what we would say, but probably it. better. So and you were, yeah. you, know, yeah. you were hospice volunteer for what, 12 years? 20 more. <laughs> so, you know, so oh, you, okay. so. You know, we're in the same place. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. You're letting, you're, you, you leave your ego at the door. You let your left side of your brain at the door and you let your heart govern exactly what's, going to transpire. Yeah, you think with your heart. Then you think with your heart and say a prayer to divine intelligence to guide everything that you do. And mm -hmm. just that again, that word trust. 
just believe that it will unfold the way that it's supposed to unfold. Exactly. And then you, you know, just being in the room, watching, listening, waiting, all the more quiet things in life is how you should be in a room of a person that's dying. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know that and it creates a lot of suffering. So I think when you go in without attachment and an open heart, and that's what we're going to talk about today, um, getting towards the end stage, we're going to go to break in about a minute and just be able to just be present, you know, and uh, I'll share a story too when we get back. I'm going to take Braggy a little bit early, but Andrew's right there we're waiting for me. So we'll be right back. Sure. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina Ampala are $250, and if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to inspiring end-of-life conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back with Michael and Linda Quinn in the Journey Home. And uh, this show is really interesting to me because one of the most important things I'm really wanting to get through on here is how to be with your loved one if you can't be with your loved one when you're in that room or losing your words and not knowing what to say, you know, really being able to be present, whether you're in the room or whether you're not in the room. So Michael gave us such a beautiful um, explanation of energy. So Michael and Linda, I want you to tell me a little bit about 
because I think this is important. When a family is struggling, let's just make up a whole scenario, or if you can think up a story, Michael and Linda, that you'd like to share with us, where you would walk into a room and it's pure chaos. We're very worried. We couldn't be with our mom in the hospital. And uh, they finally brought her home. She's really sick. This shouldn't have happened. We don't understand why she's dying. And boom, boom, boom. And there's no, there's just worry and attachment to her staying. What would you do in a situation like that? Well, I'd call Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is great. Okay. You would call Linda. Yeah. (laughs) Well, number one, you, 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 as you said, prior to the break, uh, and, and, and having a conversation with the family like that, you want to take that conversation outside the room. Okay. And, and all those conversations have to occur outside the room if there's any interest in whatsoever. And, and, and maybe, maybe this is a, it's a good, a good time to, 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 to bring up probably what I would think is the most important thing that we could say to you or to your audience doing this broadcast, okay? And it's something okay. that everybody can and should remember because as you started the broadcast out, you were saying that every one of us, if we haven't already, will at some point be with a loved one at the time of death. And right. how we react at that time can, can make a significant difference in terms of not only the degree of peace that your loved one has when they depart, but the degree of peace of the other loved ones who are in the room. So you can be, if you don't have a hospice volunteer or someone who, who has some experience in what we're talking about, it's important to understand that, that you're looking at your loved one and you're thinking, oh, grandma is unconscious and I wish I could talk to her and, and uh, so on and so forth. The most important thing that we could say to everybody listening is, your grandma, your loved one is not unconscious. Your loved one is non-responsive, which means that they're not responding to any of the five senses. However, on a more subtle but profound level, they are acutely conscious of everything that's going on in that room. And to please understand that. And, in, and, and from that level of awareness, you can talk to them either verbally or non-verbally, and they will feel everything that you express to them. That's why we talk about, you know, that the, the moment of death being more important than the moment of birth is that that communication with your loved one at that crucial time is, <clears throat> let me tell you another story that highlights this, and I think it'll bring, pull it all together. But Please that, do. A few years ago, uh, part of the program that we are with the hospice program we work with is it's called uh, compassion and action, which means that there's a group of us who are called 24 seven to go to the bedside of people who are actively dying. We almost never know them or anything about them. And that's where that assessment that you talk about is so important that right. you get a sense of what's going on before you say anything. But anyhow, I got a call to go to a nursing home. And, let's, let's, and the, the, the lady was dying, and the lady happened to be the activities director of the nursing home for 30 years. Wow. And so I'm just standing back. I'm watching staff come in, 
you know, giving her a kiss, saying goodbye and tears. And it's just so wonderful to the atmosphere of the room because she, you know, she knows these people. <clears throat> she was conscious. Her eyes, big, beautiful blue eyes. She was conscious, but she wasn't able to say anything. But she, but she recognized everybody who came in. And so at that point, I make my a subtle prayer to divine intelligence saying, I may not... I may not be needed here whatsoever, okay, but but if you think that I am, I'll you'll give me the, the type of clue that you normally do, and then I'll I'll proceed. And, and it wasn't long after when no one came in the room any longer. So I went over and I knelt down next to her. I could still see the big, beautiful blue eyes. And I think her name was Martha, but we'll call her Martha. And I introduced myself. I said, Martha, I'm, my name is Michael, and I'm a hospice volunteer. And you certainly understand what hospice is all about. You're in the hospice program. You know that you are dying, okay? And you need to know, Martha, that that there is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Beautiful. That, that there's no need to hold on any longer if you don't wish to. Mm-hmm. There was, when you talk about the assessment, there was a, a picture of Jesus on her nightstand. So I picked up on that and I said, you're just waiting to, to fall into the arms of Jesus when you leave here. Mm-hmm. And if there's anybody that, that you've had some difficulty with in your life that you haven't forgiven, now's the time to do it. And if you've been holding on to anything in your own life that you haven't been able to forgive yourself for, now's the time to just let it go. You just want to make that crossing as smoothly and as unencumbered as possible, knowing that, and my witness here of all the people who have come in to say goodbye to you, and the love that you've given to so many thousands of people over all the years you've been here, what a wonderful reward you're going to receive, and it's, it's, it's time to, to accept that reward. And, and then I looked at her, and her eyes are still open, and I said, Martha, do you understand what I just said to you? And she slowly nodded her head, Mm. closed her eyes, took one breath, and died. And Uh yeah, that's amazing and beautiful. It it was truly, of all the people I've been with, and I've been with many, Linda and I, over the years, it it was the most profound experience of death that I've ever had. But it goes to it goes to show the power of what we refer to in the book as a soul released intersection. That the soul does not always. Right. This is a real revelation to me and to us that the soul does not always realize the degree of pain of the body, and so the, the soul release intercession is really an intercession, intercession or communication with the soul that says that this individual is experiencing a lot of difficulty, and if it's within God's plan, that now would be a good time for you to release yourself from this body and let the soul go forth. And it's that communication, which is so incredibly powerful, then I can't tell you the amount of people that within a minute or two or 30 minutes after having the intercession procedure done, they leave. And, And the important thing is we tell families, and if families are there when we do this, that they should participate in this conversation with them, understanding and again trusting that their loved one understands and feels everything that they're expressing. And to 
allow them to go and tell them it's okay to go. I've been, I've, I've been amazed at how many times a soul will leave right after a loved one says, hey, it's okay to go. And the, and the soul is saying, hey, man, I've been waiting to hear that. I've been having all this pain. I want to get out of here. But right. often they'll stay back because someone is saying to them, oh, I don't want you to go or crying or yeah. else they'll hold back. But, boy, when you give them permission to go, you know, they go. They want to. They've is that a human thing it, that we need permission? Is that a human thing where it's like, okay, you can go now. You can go. You know, we're going to let you go. You know, what is that? Because it's true, Michael, we've, uh, I've experienced it so much, you know, and what's so beautiful about it in a way is that you know that all the angels, are, that's what tells me all the angels are there because they're going, okay, you can go now. Well, wait, my brother John's coming, he's getting off a plane and I just, I got to wait for him. And then the guy comes by, boom. So, you know, they're having those conversations. Okay. Right. You can say goodbye to John and then we'll be waiting for you. Right? That's right. That's what it feels like. Well, let's talk about the intercession um, because I, I kind of want people to hear it. Are you comfortable with reading it for us? Are you comfortable with reading the intercession? Oh, sure. I mean, like right out of the book? Yeah, read it right out of the book. Page 27. I want everybody to hear it from your sweet voice. And again, it's real important. Okay, I give a sample affirmation, but I'm very clear. We're very clear. This has to be extemporaneous. It has to come from the heart. It can't be. It can't be a rote player, R O T E. Right. You know, it has you, to come from the heart. Agreed. But you know, it's so interesting because when uh, I was um, reading it myself, being who I am, I could feel it. Like I was there. Like it made me think of all the people that I've let go of in my life and all the people I helped in hospice. And this is actually going to be my new book and my briefcase when I'm out volunteering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's something. I mean, I've done hospice a really long time and I, I love the way this is worded. So please go ahead and just read it for us. Then we can talk about it. Okay. Well, it's, 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 the, the, the sample that I give is, is that I'm saying to the individual, and I'm saying this to the individual not as a hospice volunteer, but as a, as a loved one, as a family member. So it's even more heartfelt and personal. Yes. The book was written for, for people who are typically not hospice volunteers. So that's why it was worded this way. But it begins by, and you're always letting the individual know who you are. Say, I am... You know, I am Tom, your son, or whatever. Just think, and and if you can touch their hand, mm-hmm. that that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, as they're about to leave, do not want to be touched, and so if that's you feel true. any kind of resistance to that, then don't. But if you if you can, and that's fine. You're making and I and any other family members I in the room, I would advise, you know, don't be afraid to touch your loved one. This is it's an amazing thing that you can be so close to your loved one, but when they're about to leave, somehow you think that death is contagious and, and you don't touch them. And I've seen that so many times. Me so too. Myself, can I tell you a quick example to touch their loved one, even when they're conscious, just to, to create a bridge with their loved ones. And it's okay to do that. They're not contagious. You know, I got into hospice for, uh, because I was a massage therapist for 17 years. So I'm all about touch. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story before we go into this. And this would have been the perfect time to have read something like this. I was helping a lady who was in a halo. She couldn't get out of it. And 
her neck was collapsing and they finally took it off at the very end of her life. So it was my cousin's friends and she asked me to go check on her. So I went to the nursing home to go check on her and uh, she wasn't an older woman, but she was living alone. So she went to this um, nursing home and it was a really nice place. I walk in the room and everybody is standing about three feet away from the bed. The room was full, but nobody was close to her. And she's just laying in the bed. So I called everybody in close and said, you know, it's okay to touch her. Just maybe put your hand on her leg or give her a little squeeze because it lets you know, it lets her know that you're here and that you love her. But it was so odd to me that I had to explain that. And they were all school teachers. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Of course that. That's so important. Yeah. So it's, and, but and probably, but the first thing you probably did was go over and turn the TV off. Yes. Yeah, okay. pretty much the loud noises. Oh, I've done that so many times. Oh my God, you know, I've I've done it in doctor's offices before, Michael. Well, I said, just sure. put on the cooking channel for God's sake. People are yeah. messed up as much as it is. Just right. put something on that's brainless, you know, or whatever. But yeah, I've walked into rooms and turned off TVs and, and found little radios and put classical music in them and stuff like that just to kind of create a Right. A, a presence in the room because like we say you're it's sacred you are on the holiest piece of earth when you are in the room with a loved one that's dying i think i we mentioned that we we treat a, a hospice person's room as a cathedral and 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 act like you would in a give the reverence give the the silence the you know just the whole atmosphere of, of, of what a cathedral at least says to me because they are in a cathedral and they're about to go to the front of the cathedral. So yeah, that way. Well, when you're helping them up, you know, and I think that's something that I've, I've told people a lot in, in my life when they're getting all freaked out about someone dying, I say to them, listen, you have a beautiful opportunity here to do something very holy. And they just look at me like, you know, because their thought process is, oh, they're dying and they've got cancer and, you know, all of that. Right. But when you switch it over to something very spiritual and very holy, which most people doesn't even go through their brain, which amazes me. But I, I always say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. This ground right here, it's holy. Right. And you're a part of it. So you're going to get splashed on, as my friend Jeff Driscoll says. <laughs> you're going to get splashed on. So, you know. And the beautiful with- thing about what you're saying is that not only do you assisting grandma with leaving, you're the individual who's aware of this process now is all also simultaneously preparing themselves for the day that they bingo. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. That's what death teaches us. That's right. Yes. Being with dying persons teaches us how to die and how to treat death, you know? So we, um, let's see, we've got four minutes till break. Go ahead and read that. And then when we, we come back from break, we can talk more about it. Okay. So you want me to read it now? I would love that in your beautiful voice, Michael. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am here with you and I love you. You are dying and that is completely natural. It happens to everyone. I wish you could stay here with me, but I don't want you to suffer anymore. The time we had together has been a great blessing and I will always cherish it. Please now, don't hold on to life any longer. Let go 
if you are ready. If you need to forgive yourself or others for any wrongdoing, do it now. You are not alone now or ever. You have absolutely nothing to fear. You have all my love. As you leave your body, you will be met by, you know, and you suggest the name of some close loved ones who have already died. You will be met by them and your angels, and they will answer all your questions. They will transport you to the heaven worlds where there will be no judgments. You will experience unconditional love and bliss and beauty like nothing imaginable in this world. See, now when you say that, and I think of myself laying in bed, thinking of leaving my children and my grandchildren, and it's my time. That's what I thought about. That would bring me peace. That would be like, okay, Nina, this is all going to be okay. Everybody's going to be fine. You can go. Right. And we need that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's a big deal leaving your kids and your grandbabies. You know, it's like you, one thing that in, in your husband or your wife, people that you love so much, but you're, you know, it's, it's, it's the learning curve of death. Right. It really is. And by doing something like this, I just, I thought it was the most beautiful expression of your, your journey here on earth is complete. It's time to go home. And the attachments that we develop in our life bring a lot of junk into the room. And so we'll get back to that when we get back from break. But I just I want everybody to hear that and sit with it for a minute. So we will be right back with Michael and Linda Quinn. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back with Linda and Michael Quinn on Inspiring End of Life Conversations. We've been talking about the soul release intercession. Um, Michael just read that. It was so beautiful. Michael, do you find, too, that, you know, when you do this with the patient, the family members are in the room, that it's what kind of response do you get from the family members when you've done something like that? I haven't, so I'm excited to do it when I start, which will be immediately when I start volunteering. But how does a family react to this? Do you find that it really helps them in their grief process and just in being able to wrap their brain around what's actually happening? Well, to give you another quick story of a fellow that was called, I was called to his mother's bedside about a year ago. And at some point he asked me to go outside the room and he said, and she was unresponsive. And she says, and he says, I don't know what to do now. It was just that sense of, what do I do now? Right. And I was very clear to him. And I said, <clears throat> I said, you know, your mother is, is non-responsive, but she's very acutely aware of what's going on. I would suggest you go back into the room and understand that you can have a beautiful closure conversation with your mother right now. And she will be clearly tuned into it and feel everything that you say. And so, and then you won't have to worry about you know, you know where your mother's going or anything. Your mother knows where she's going, and she's been preparing. Been preparing. There's a there's a Dr. John Larmer wrote a book called Into the Light. He was a hospice doctor in Texas, and he wrote a book called Into the Light. Each chapter has to deal with one person who went through his hospice inpatient unit, and in that book he says, 72 hours before anybody dies their deceased loved ones and angels show up and they never leave their bedside until, until they die. And so, and I, I don't hesitate telling people whatsoever that, that this room is filled oh. with angels and your loved ones, loved ones, and they're all around. And some people who can see these things, they will tell you that the walls dissolve. And as far as you can see, the ancestors are lining up. Truly that's, that's, I that's agree with one, you. One way it's explained that that your mother's not alone. You don't have to worry about her fate. You don't have to, you definitely do not have to lecture her about anything. Mm-hmm. Just just be present in this beautiful beautiful moment, but you have the opportunity to say the last words to her. Wow, what a blessing that is. Just no trust kidding. that she's hearing them. And also, particularly for the first 12 days after a loved one dies, they are still very sensitive to what's going on 
back on earth. And that is still a wonderful time to communicate with them. So constantly after they die, keep those, keep that line of communication open and don't even hesitate to ask for signs. And be surprised how many signs that will come forth, whether it's birds or butterflies or pennies. And it's just little signals that they give that I'm fine. It starts to actually get rather comical when you ask for a sign and then you get so many, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> That's what happens, you know. <laughs> I yeah. see it now, you're right. But it, in, in telling people, trust this, trust this, just right. trust this. And it right. gets bigger. I find the more I trust, the more my heart opens and the bigger it gets and the bigger the feelings get and everything right. changes because it's, it's a, a shift in energy, really, when you start trusting it and not going the other way where it ain't so happy and just opening up your heart to trust. Right. Right. There's another little exercise that you do that I want to get in. It's called the pink light infusion. Can you tell us about that? That's beautiful. It's uh, it's. Uh it could be done at any time with a loved one. In fact, it can be done. You don't have to be terminal. You could do it to with any loved one. It's just a very tactile way of 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 conveying love from your heart directly to the love of your loved one, and particularly mm-hmm. someone who's who's terminally ill and they're about to die. I think I, I tell the story in the book of of it being in a hospice unit and the patients. Family was there, his wife and four young children. And this fellow was of Italian descent. And his mother was live on Skype on the laptop at the foot of the bed. So she's witnessing all this from Italy. And, and so I suggested the pink light infusion where all the children go over and surround their father, each put their hand over their father's heart. And then his wife finishing with her hand on top. Close your eyes and just imagine. Imagine doesn't mean illusion or fake. Imagine no. is real. And if you imagine this, it will it will occur. Imagine this pink light, beautiful, vibrating pink light emanating from your heart, down your arm, through your hands, into your father's heart. And, and stay there and do that for as long as you're comfortable. And and they did that, and at that point I left the room because it's a it's a very powerful family personal kind of thing. I didn't want them to feel that I was, you know, a boy or anything like that. And I left the room, and uh, his wife came out about three minutes later and said that he had died. So there was there, there was that again. It's that final connection with their loved one, which was so powerful. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful, by the way, this pink light infusion, the soul release intersection, all the details are contained on our website. You don't even need the book, okay? It's all on okay. the website. And uh, and uh, the, the, the pink light infusion is just a very, very beautiful thing for anybody to do. What a wonderful Valentine's Day gift to somebody that you love. I know. You guys are so cute. You really are. Oh my God. The work that you're doing out there is just amazing. And, and also when, when that was happening with our friends, um, our son was there at the same time. Uh, oh. So that's Is made- he passed on your son? No, no, no. He's- oh no, he's live on this side. Yeah. Okay. Our son is very much like his mother. Very, 
beyond the five senses aware of what's going on. I got uh, one like that. When he goes into a hospice Mark. unit, he sees he sees all these souls hanging around and he sees <sighs> it there. And I mentioned it, by the way, as a to our hospice medical director who understands and appreciates all of this. And she says, yeah, I know they're here. And, this, and the nurses know that they're here. What we believe is that sometimes when people come through this unit, they get so much love like they've never had in their life before. And when they die, they don't want to leave. So they hang around. And so and, and we know they're here. Yeah. So like Derek and Linda, they, they can actually see them. Sometimes I think people like us have been helping people die for eons, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Right. You know, I just, I really believe that because it's so comfortable for us. Right. You know, people yeah. always say, Nina, you're smiling when you just got back from somebody's house. I'm like, but you don't know who I was with. I mean, you know, I was with angels and Jesus. Another, exactly. another thing Linda always said, anytime we go to a funeral, at some point during the funeral, she'll elbow me and tell me where the deceased is. That's you me. Know, I how how large that. they are. What, uh, they I always look younger. What, Linda? Say that again, Linda. I felt that we would have that that particular connection. Like, yeah. Well, as a bereavement counselor, when I was working for a very large hospice and I'd call the family members on the phone, the deceased would be right behind me giving them visions and pictures to give them some peace. And people would be like, um, how did you know that? And these are kind of like regular folks, you know, that go through one or two, maybe three deaths in their lifetime. You know what I really want to touch on? I really want to touch on. So, Father Nathan is a regular on my show. Right. And I want everybody to know that you have done some of the incredible work with Father Nathan. Linda and I are both prayer partners. Yeah. So, whenever you guys hear prayer partners, um, when I'm talking with Father Nathan on the show, Linda and Michael are both prayer partners. How did you start that work with Father Nathan? It's called Connecting the Dots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That your life is guided by divine intelligence. He you sent me your book. One step to the next to the next. In September 2019, I was invited to speak at the annual conference of the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Yeah. So I put on a panel, and the panel is called Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over. And Father Nathan was on the panel because he wrote a book called Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over. Mm -hmm. So we connected. And uh, after the conference, he asked me if I wanted to be a prayer partner, and uh, I hesitated. Uh, Father, you know, I've never been a, a really big fan of channelers, because I just never knew, you know, what was coming through or the credibility or whatever, but I have a strong Catholic background, and, and I liked Father immediately, so I said, sure, I will. But we started immediately, went up to his room and started, and... Wow. It, it changed my, I can't tell you, Nina, it is, it is the most profound, I can't, I can't really grasp the adjective to describe the profundity of the work that goes on, it, which from, the, from day one. In that room was the first time Our Lady showed up, and uh, Father Michael Judge showed up. He was a chaplain of the New York City Fire Department on 9-11 who was killed. He shows up, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, Dale Earnhardt, the race car driver who was killed, shows up. Right. And, I mean, I told Father after a while, I got to take a break and go change my underwear. <laughs> this, this, is, I'm just, this, this is just beyond what I'm used to. It is extraordinary what he does. Yes. And he, you know, he doesn't like to, he doesn't use that word channel. 
That's a Catholic word. That that's a word that the Catholic Church does not like. But you know, he but is his superior general supports what he does. His bishop knows what he's doing exactly. And he, but he's he's very mainstream Catholic. He he believes that he's guided by the Holy Spirit. And 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 Saint Paul said in the Corinthians that people have the gifts of the Spirit and they should use them. And he definitely has that. And it's a uh, the longer oh, we do it. this work, the more comfortable I am. But we've had some very, very interesting visitors along the way. And I just, oh, you have. just, just profound. Well, the two of you are, are very gifted in what you do. And you're such a light to the world. And I really want um, people to heed this. So if you're listening to the show live or you're listening to it after, a year from now, and your loved one is going through something, really, these people are incredible. Reach out if you have any questions. What's your guys' email? Is it okay for people to email you, Michael and Linda, or would you like to give out, or maybe on the website? Is there a contact on the website? Well, you, you, can put our, you can put our email somewhere, but definitely the, the website, thejourneyhome.net. Thejourneyhome.net. So that's there. So that's fine. They can contact you through that. So thejourneyhome.net is where you can find Linda and Michael, and just know and trust and believe in their promises that are in that book because it's, 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 you know, I've been doing hospice such a long time and the book was impressed me quite a bit. That's why I wanted them on today. And the fact that they work with Father Nathan just ties them into this lovely, beautiful circle of helping people die and having a good life. So anything else that you two would like to add before we end the show today? Well, it's just that, that we've had some conversations with you about you were married recently and talking about your children and your grandchildren and such a beautiful life that you live both on a personal level, but the way you reach out to thousands of people through your broadcast. I mean, you're just such a beautiful, special person and we love you. Well, thank you. I love you guys too. And I, I hope that someday maybe we get a meet in person because this has really been a a treasure for me. Oh, it's so cold here you. in Western Pennsylvania. We so. may knocking, be knocking on your door. <laughs> okay. <soon as> <laughs> <you think. laughs> our, our son is out that way, so we, we're hoping to get out that way. Oh, I hope so, too. Well, let me know if you do. You think you might be up in San Diego. Let me know. Okay. okay. Absolutely. All right, you two. Take good care, and thank you for being on my show. Really God appreciate bless you. it. God bless you, too. So I'm so grateful to have had this lovely couple on my show today. If you have anybody that is approaching hospice or you're struggling with anything that has to do with death, you can reach out to me at tutoringforthespirit.com. I've got lots and lots of resources for people, and I wish you many things in 2021. Mostly stay curious. Don't get too attached to any future expectations. Just stay open and you'll make it through 2021 and hopefully it's going to be better than 2020. So happy new year out there to everybody. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of inspiring end of life conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.